Hey, music executives, before we hop into the show, I've got three quick requests. One, consider becoming a supporter of the show. You can do so by clicking the link in the description of the podcast. Two, if you haven't already, or if you have already, go stream our latest single, Gold Star. It's under the name Sentimental. Yes, rebrand. Yes, it is happening. Sentimental is now my new artist name. Nonetheless, go stream the new song, Gold Star, that myself and Dank Studios just released. Number three, if you're looking to promote anything on the Music Executive Podcast, please email me at sentimentalproductions at gmail.com. We are expanding. The Music Executive has been here for two years, and now we are in a place where we are getting numbers, honey. So please email me at sentimentalproductions at gmail.com. Otherwise, let's get into the show. When you move to a new city, assuming you have your foundation ready to direct people to, you're ready to roll, you're going to go out and meet people. You have one opportunity to make a first impression. This is The Music Executive, a show where we talk about gig tips, music business strategies, songwriting experiences, collabs, and even more with industry professionals. Let's get into it. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. My name is Cinnamon Denise. That's cinnamon like the spice and Denise like Denise. And today's show is really special because we have Jeff Ralston, who is an incredible, incredible guitarist and a great friend of mine as well. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Thanks for having me. Good. I'm good. Jeff, what is the most beautiful place you've ever seen? Oh my gosh, most beautiful place I've ever seen. I would have to say Pulai Bay, Thailand. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, hands down. It was breathtaking. And what was beautiful about it? The islands. So if you ever look up the islands where these big rock sculptures that are just popping out of the water that almost looks like Avatar, that is the Pulai Bay in Thailand. It's just fantastic. And the colors just pop. And it's just, it was spectacular. My wife and I went there for our honeymoon, actually. There's obviously fond memories there, of course, as well. So, um, but that has to be the most beautiful place I've ever been to. Nice. Most definitely. Am I allowed to ask you or no? <laughs> yeah, sure. You want to ask me? Yeah. What's your what's the most beautiful place you've been the to? The most beautiful place I've ever been to was definitely Ibiza, Spain. I was going to say it's got to be Spain. Goodness. It's the same concept. I tell people all the time, you know that screensaver on your Windows computer? The picture is probably taken in Ibiza. And I promise you they did not Photoshop it. <laughs> that's the way i explained that but Mm -hmm. yeah it was the most beautiful magical place once everything even kind of settles down from the ibiza party scene rush in the summertime i was there at the end of the party scene in the beginning of fall and so it was the most beautiful thing i was there for the heat and for the cool weather so it was really cool um, to be able to do that anywho y'all welcome to the show (laughs) jeff is an amazing guitarist as i mentioned (laughs) but it's one thing to be an amazing musician and it's another thing to be a professional. So today we're going to be talking about what it really takes to be a professional and lay down foundation for being a professional musician. Now, thing about Jeff, I want you to tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. I grew up in New Jersey, currently in Atlanta, I guess. I grew up playing the playing the trumpet before I ever got a guitar. Got a guitar in eighth grade and they couldn't get it out of my hands. And I just loved it and knew this is what I got to do. Went to college at Rowan University in New Jersey and then graduated from there. Got my master's degree at the University of Delaware. I lived there for about two years, which was kind of fun. But, you know, Delaware is so close to New Jersey. About an hour from home. So it really kind of almost counts like Jersey to me, you know. And then moved back up to New Jersey and then met my wife and she got a job down here. We got married and moved down here to be in Atlanta. 
That's the thing. So Jeff is being modest, y'all. Let me tell you, Jeff was a consistently performing musician up in, I'm just going to say the Northeast. Right. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess I kind of that whole part. Basically, let me tell you, when she goes from Virginia <laughs> south, everything else north of there, nobody understands where anything is. So we're like Jersey, New York, <laughs> Philly, Boston. What? Yes. What's going on? So <laughs> it, well, it it does kind of all blend together. Honestly, it, even when you live there, it's like one city. You drive to the next city. You drive to the next city. So. Exactly. And when you live in Florida, for example, I lived in Florida for a little while, you can drive 10 hours and still be in the state of Florida. Yep. So, <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. so that's the thing. But Jeff was a consistently performing, playing, gigging musician in the Northeast. Now, as Jeff mentioned, he met his wonderful wife, shout out to Alta. Yeah. And if I'm saying this incorrectly, let me know. But essentially, they moved to Atlanta. And if you're a musician, you know, you know that leaving your contacts in an area and having consistent work and leaving, basically having to start over is a huge deal. So one, you must really love your wife. (laughs) She's amazing. amazing. And two, two, that's really scary. It takes a lot of courage. And so that's what this today's episode is about, Mm y'all. It's about laying the groundwork, doing the footwork and crushing the real work. So first... Let's start off with what it means to lay the groundwork. So when I was thinking about it, and you mentioned this topic to me, because I guess I kind of do have a pretty good story when it comes to that. When moving to a new city, when I think about laying the groundwork of getting there, there's a lot of things you want to have in place as you start the new venture. One of the biggest things is you really need to have some kind of online presence. When you move to a new spot and you're meeting people, you have to direct them to something. They don't know who you are. They never heard you say, hi, I'm Jeff. I play the guitar. Great. I know a lot of people who play the guitar. You really have to have some kind of online presence. Now, that's pretty easy these days. I mean, everyone has an Instagram. That's at least the start. I think you should probably have a website too. I had a website when I was in New Jersey, but I didn't rely on it too heavily because I had a lot of work. I knew people. I didn't kind of, I don't want to say I didn't need to, but it was there, but it wasn't doing much for me. When I moved here to Atlanta, the first thing I did was revamp my website, re-update it, make, change all the formatting, update all the content, get everything moving so that when I meet people, I can send them somewhere. I also still think cards are somewhat important. I know they're going out of vogue in musicians today. Everyone's just kind of going Instagram and that's great. But if you're performing and looking for work, there's still a lot of people that like cards. And when you can hand them one, it adds a certain, to some people and to some generations, I think it's starting to go away. It depends. It depends. It's certain, it adds a certain degree of legitimacy, I think, to your, your work. If you're trying to get corporate work, you need a business card. Yeah, you do. You just do. <laughs> and not only that, it's got to look good. Good. Yes. It has to look good. I mean, spend the money to get someone. If you're not good with design yourself, which I was not, I hired someone to do it. And I sent them some pictures and I love the way they turned out because, yeah, you can get a Vistaprint and that's fine. And you can kind of design it yourself. But when you hand it to someone and it looks really, really good, you only have one opportunity to make a first impression. You want to make a good one. (laughs) So have all that ready to roll. Because when you meet people, you want to direct them to your music. You want to direct them online. You want to be able to hand them a card and let them know the tone and tenor of the conversation and who you are as a person right then and there off the bat. Because you have to. I also think it's valuable to think about, look at the city where you're moving to and look what they're known for. I moved to Atlanta. Hip-hop, R&B. That's what we're probably known for. Now, when you move outside the city, the, the scene kind of changes, but that's there. So... Wherever you're moving to, 
look ahead to see what's bumping in that scene. And if you don't know how to speak that musical language, start learning. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Or maybe don't move to that city. <laughs> Well, or, there's that, or there's that. I, well, there's certainly that. I mean, I'm assuming that the move is set in stone. But if I was moving to St. Louis, for example, it's a different scene down there. Do what you can online to find what's going on and what's working and start to learn that music. I don't really play a lot of country music. I never really resonated very well with it. But I was moving to maybe Nashville or something like that. Nashville might not be a good example but because they kind of have everything. But if I was moving to a city that had a lot of country music, I would be like, okay, well, I need to start learning some country music if I'm going to get some work. That's the thing. So this is the difference between someone who's growing in their work and someone who's a professional. A good example that someone said was a professional doesn't just work when they only feel like working, Mm -hmm. period. So so that's not a thing when you're a professional. Um, It helps. Obviously, it helps to be passionate about what you're doing. But gee whiz, talk about a great example of, you know, you don't resonate with country music. I have a similar experience. I've had to sing some country songs before. Sure. Well, actually, I love country music. Not a good example. But I've had to sing songs <laughs> that I don't like. Let me just put it that oh, way. Oh, man. I. Oof. But you know how many lyrics to songs that I know that I can't stand because mm. they were top 40 or oh, yeah. whatever? So, yeah, that's a good point. And it's it's not that I just don't like country music. I don't really know it. I never got into it. I, there, you know, And the stuff that I would consider country music, most country fans would probably say is like diet country music. You know what I mean? So it's like... <laughs> Uh, and, and some of it is catchy. I know I've pl- had to play it for gigs and things like that. And, uh, but anyway. So the next part, right? <laughs> sure. This is scary moving to an entirely new scene. So you can do as much research as you want as far mm-hmm. as what the city's known for. But there are unwritten rules in cities oh. for musicians. And you learn them by meeting other musicians and talking to them. <clears throat> Or you learn them the hard way. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. and that's all part of doing the footwork. Can you talk to us about doing the footwork and do's and don'ts? That brings us right out to our next step, do the footwork. So the footwork, I consider the footwork is essentially your networking work, your ground game. When you move to a new city, assuming you have your foundation ready to direct people to, you're ready to roll, you're going to go out and meet people. You have one opportunity to make a first impression. So when you go out and do it, have everything ready. When you get out there, the first thing is you have to get out there. (laughs) A lot of musicians, and I unfortunately do this too, especially if you're working a lot and you're gigging a lot. When you have like a night off, you don't always necessarily want to get out there and learn some music. Now, if you're moving or or see some music, if you're moving to a new city, number one, you probably don't have a lot of work. So you have no reason not to, but you need to get out and find where's music being played? What kind of music are they doing? Who's hiring them? What is it? You got to go out and find them. You got to find jam sessions and find people to play with. Sit in with them. You have no idea where they're going to be. Do a little bit of research ahead of time. See, is it is it an open jam? I mean, when I moved here, I used to hit up some of the jam sessions around the city because I just knew nobody. And I knew that if I was going to play somewhere, that was one of them. And with jam sessions, you know, there's a whole, well, I mean, there's a whole etiquette to jam sessions that's a whole nother topic and discussion, I think, for another episode. But when you get to the session, you got to get there and start playing with people. Make note of the people that you want to meet. The people that you, you can tell right away, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. This girl knows what she's doing. They're out there working, hustling in the business. I can kind of tell. Find them and strike up a conversation. Hey, I'm new to the city. Ask them for their information. You don't necessarily have to force yours on them. Get them and follow them and just start the conversation, the dialogue. Ask them questions. Hey, how long have you been playing in the city? Are you from here? Oh, that's very cool. Great, etc. Then 
after you do all those things, go home or run your home, shoot them an email every now and then. Hey, just checking in. You have anywhere good I can go check out this weekend you recommend. I still don't know very many people. All those little follow-up things are great ways to keep you kind of in the conversation. Now, as far as the rules you were talking about, <laughs> right? those pitfalls are hard to... I mean, they're going to be unique to every city and they're going to be hard to know until you trip on a wire, (laughs) so to speak. The best way to try to avoid them is to ask a lot of questions and don't assume anything. Mm -hmm. Because you just don't know. When I moved to the city here, I heard there was a number of places or I knew a couple people and I was talking to a great sax. Actually, my buddy, Matt Miller, he's a other half of my duo, Ninth Street duo. Wow. We play around the city a lot lately. And he told me there's a guy in the city who has a lot of these jazz gigs on lock. Definitely someone you want to know. Great. Cool. And he told me some stories of times when the person would contact my friend Matt for the gig. And then the venue would ask Matt for all of his contact information to try to circumvent the person who kind of gave the gig to Matt. And there's a whole thing there. And so he didn't know what to do. So he just kind of gave it. And then, of course, got a phone call about it. And he said, hey, you know, this is my gig. You can't walk around. You got to be careful who stows you that on. Right. And that, was, that stuff's kind of hard to figure out. And that, that's a whole other topic for an episode, too. But yeah, you're There's you're a hierarchy right. to things. So there's people that you, quote unquote, cross because because of whatever reason or they're, quote unquote, lower on the totem pole. And there's people that you just don't cross, especially in Atlanta. There is a hierarchy. And honestly, I don't want to make it sound so derogatory because sometimes hierarchical things sound derogatory. But just know there are some people who can say one thing and get a gig in town anywhere they want it. Mm. And there are some people who have a gig somewhere. And if you try to get their gig, someone's going to tell them. And then there's people who are begging for gigs. So there's just hierarchical things that are going on. Well, when you're new, you don't know where they are in that structure. So you, you can't no cross anybody. <laughs> don't you cross anybody. And sometimes it's unintentional. Right. Especially with you, because you're really a no filter type of person. So you make friends anywhere you go. Let me just put that way. You are very non-biased. You have a great heart. So when you're speaking to people, you're always genuine, but people aren't always receiving the genuine spirit. Mm -hmm. People perceive you differently than you intended. Right. True. So you may be crossing someone's, you know, stepping on someone's toes. And literally, you won't have a clue until three years later that they Mm -hmm. don't like you or whatever. So <laughs> let me clarify. It's not always about if someone likes you or not, but geez, sure. it's important to know who to be friends with and who not to get on their bad side, right? Another important part of you know that footwork is don't be a jerk. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> you know? Seriously, be considerate. Yeah. Be considerate. Would you want that done to you? Think about everything you're doing. Would you want someone to show up 30 minutes late to your rehearsal? Well, that brings us to our third point, I think. Fresh the real work. Yeah. Fresh the real work. Talk to me about that. Yeah. Okay. The real work. So I look at the real work is that's the gig. That's what you're doing. It's not the other parts not work. It is work. But, you know, I just thought it was kind of catchy and fun. So the real work, that's the gig. When you get a gig, crush it. Do your homework. Prepare ahead of time. Is there a rehearsal? Be on time for that rehearsal. Have your music learned inside and out. If the person doesn't send you the music in time or or it's getting to the point where you haven't received the music and you feel like you might need more time, you don't know what it's going to look like, you need to be kind of hounding that person. It's part of your responsibility. I mean, like, that drives me nuts. Sometimes people don't send out music ahead of time. 
I can wing it if I need to. I mean, I've performed in front of audiences of 1,500 to 2,000 people with a band that I met at Soundcheck. I can do that, but I don't like to. I don't say I don't like it. It's kind of fun. But anyway, it's not comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> it's not ideal. Let's put it that way. When you crush it, all the, the behind the scenes preparation work needs to be in place so that you come to that rehearsal and you're ready to roll. You need to take your small gigs at this point as seriously as your big ones too. Because the reality is you're new. You don't know who these people are. You don't know what how broad their network is. But you know what? When you show up to that one rehearsal and they click off that first song, they have one chance to make a first impression of, am I going to call Jeff back again? Am I going to call Cinnamon back again? And if you come and you have all your work done, you're ready to roll. When I get a set list for just about any gig and I look at it, anything I don't know, I immediately go and transcribe the entire recording so that the answers are right there. And then I memorize it if I need to, read it if I can. It depends on what I do with it from there. Then when I go to rehearsal, I bring it. And then when we cover the song, there's always questions. I look, okay, what is the recording does this? This is what the recording does. There's the answer. We can change it. That's fine. But here's the answer to the question. Oh, okay, cool. And if you are that person, they're going to love you. Cinnamon, vouch on this. Any working musician will happily take a very well-prepared person over a killer player any day of the week. Period. Any day of the week. <laughs> we all know killer musicians and all instruments that are great, but if they don't do the prep work, we don't care. <laughs> because it means that we have to do another rehearsal now. Yeah. Because you came to the first one not knowing your material. Right. And we don't have time to get somebody else. <laughs> right. <laughs> great. And I still have to pay you. That's I, that's how the band leader feels. Let me, t- let me tell y'all listening. You. That's how the band leader feels. And Jeff, you've been a band leader before. You know. Oh, sure. Yeah. Let me tell y'all. I will speak. You know how some people say, I can't speak for all black people. I'll speak for all band leaders. We still have to pay you. And we feel really annoyed about it. Oh, of course. So- <laughs> oh. And no, we're not hiring you again. Just oh. know that. <laughs> Anywho, you bring up good point. Crush the real work. Crush and it's here's work. another example, Jeff. It's not even just the music. It's, hey, y'all, the gig is Friday at seven. Please wear all black, no jeans. Someone shows up in black jeans. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what? You that, know, bothers so- me. that bothers me just like it bothers you when I know what to <laughs> Again, speaking for all band leaders out there, uh, it's annoying, <laughs> you uh, know. So there, yeah. there's attention to detail, you know. Please, it's a hundred dollar bill, hundred dollar ticket. Please come in your Sunday best. Shows up in Sunday best with the wrinkled shirt, mm. like you know. It's attention to detail, and it's not even just for you. It's not because the band leader or anybody that you're working with or for asked you to do it. It's because you take pride in performing in excellence period and it's not to say that all gigs require suit and tie but if they ask you to wear cowboy boots and you don't have cowboy boots you should have said something at the rehearsal and they ask you to wear cowboy boots you know not show up to the gig and say oh i don't have cowboy boots you know we could have changed this two weeks ago (laughs) well let's also flip this too if you're the band leader booking the gig in this new city give all of your musicians 
enough notice for everything everything you need need. (laughs) exactly (laughs) everything you need you know i mean i'll give you a real world example i just booked a date this friday night with a band of people i'm not used to playing with i've played with some of them before but it's kind of like a piecemeal band guy called me saturday he said i'll get me the music sunday i'm like great no problem it's monday i just actually just got an email as we were talking there's the set list if i didn't get that email as soon as we got off this recording (laughs) i would be hounding him saying hey you got that set list am i worried about it no but you know what? I don't want any surprises. I want a week right. to learn it. There's no rehearsal. I'm going to meet you at the gig. I'd rather have a little bit of extra time to make sure and plan my week out. Totally. Do that for your musicians. Totally fair. <laughs> so y'all hear it. We're going to have a different episode called Band Leader Blues. Oh, that and, would be great. That's a great title. Then we'll have a session called Band Member Blues. <laughs> band Member Blues. Oh, or a uh, band member melancholy. Let's call it that. But it's got to be an episode where we talk about bad gigs at one time. That's got to be a good one. Right, we'll talk about all these things. <laughs> Jeff, thank you so much for being on the show. And oh, thank you for having let me. Let me tell you another cool thing about Jeff. Besides the fact that he performs a variety of styles and can <laughs> perform and do production work in his home studio, which he's done some for me. And the quality is just what I needed. So oh, thank, you. thank you for that. Jeff is a deadlifter. Well, yeah, and weightlifter, I guess. Weightlifter. <laughs> and we were just talking about how he's noticed a big improvement in his six years of lifting mm-hmm. that, you know, one day you'll be able to lift an amount of weight that you've been trying to lift for years. And the thing about that is with any sort of exercise or any sort of thing that you're trying to, that you need to be consistent and persistent with, it requires practice. Mm-hmm. And just like with anything, just like with being a musician, he's able to do that deadlifting. I don't know how much you lift. You want to share how much you lift? Well, I mean, my highest right now is 375, which is not very much. But okay, I lift things. my fork. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not a very strong person in general. I was a little more geared for like distance running and stuff like that. But I've had a lifelong, well, not lifelong, a couple year long goal of trying to hit 405, which would be nice for me. Yeah. Um, and I'm getting pretty close so it feels getting close i bring that up to say musicians understand the importance and the value of practice how vital all these things with laying the groundwork doing the footwork crushing the real work it takes practice and you get better as time goes on and you find days where you can lift that weight or you find days where you can't lift anything and or you find days where you're sore so you're you're feeling the growing pains of things so I just know out there, anyone listening, that it, it takes practice. Jeff, I'm so grateful for you today. Thank oh, you for being for on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Sure thing. <laughs> so, y'all, we've been talking about how amazing of a guitarist Jeff is. So, this piece that you're about to hear is called Julio Florida by Agustin Barrios Mangore. And Jeff is an amazing player. Again, he plays a variety of styles, but here's a classical piece. Enjoy and talk to y'all soon. <laughs> forget to leave a rating of the show helps to make us better thanks so much y'all take care